Welcome to another exciting edition of My Mind with Stefan Taylor. I just want to thank everybody who listened to it, um, listened to all the episodes. I really appreciate it. Thank you to my wife for listening to um, most of them. I really appreciate it. So we're back with another week of exhilarating topics um, that I want to share or rather talk about. It's good. It's good that I get to, I I probably say it every time I do one, but it's really nice just to be able to speak and people kind of listen. Not, Not saying that I get ignored in um in in a social setting maybe i talk too much or maybe i don't but um, i don't know that's hard to say if i'm in good company i'll talk someone's ear off but only because it's a riveting and exhilarating conversation that i um want to have or am having about our uh, topics that that i enjoy like movies and music and martial arts and games love good game conversation which brings me to my next point is uh so a couple episodes ago i did a bit of a a review on the whole mafia games and how mafia 2 they did a definitive edition and it was probably the worst I would say probably, yeah, it's up there for top three worst um, transfers onto like the next gen console. It was definitely shocking, but I won't go into it. Um, I want to talk about the Mafia 1 that they've done. They've remade Mafia 1, which I remember on computer and being super awesome. And it is. It is super awesome. I had my doubts considering how well uh, Mafia 2 went or rather didn't go. And the this Mafia remake is really good. There's It's really smooth. If it's like, if that's the look of what potentially how games are going to look now and like the next step it is only going to get better from that, then yeah, gaming's looking pretty good. I mean, yeah, yeah, I feel I'm pretty jealous of kids these days. They get to grow up with graphics that look this real and like that close um, on, on, a, on a game. I mean, when I was coming through, like we still had 2D blocks, <laughs> you know, we had, um, there was no round biceps. They were like long rectangles, you know, but, but they were all story driven and I think, uh, a, th- a thing that's coming back into popularity is single player and stories. Yeah, I feel like stories are coming back. Single player content is coming back in a big way, which is awesome because uh, that's what a lot of guys uh, my age grew up playing. And like before, like it was always about that single player content and that single player, that single player driven storyline, you know, where you're the guy. And you go do the thing and then you finish the thing 
and then you know there's revenge heartbreak whatever and you get enthralled into it it's almost like a movie a game is like a movie you know and you play it for eight or nine hours um playing this you know it, depending on what game i guess you know it's like this game of thrones long lord of the rings style um campaign where you're absolutely enthralled into it that's what i really liked about the mafia games is that the story the single player story is such a good <laughs> lack of a better word story you know it's really good it's actually quite um oh it's a little it's a little predictable but you know once you hear maybe 10 mob stories they all kind of have the same outcome um i think this one was good because there was a lot of nods to like uh, Goodfellas and The Godfather and Donny Brasco um, and and a couple of... And, like, The Untouchables as well, which is, like, pretty cool because it's set in Lost Haven, which I'm guessing is um, kind of like Chicago, I think. It kind of, you know, I guess it kind of looks like Chicago, um, which is good. But the only thing I've got a problem with is the accents. For me, they're like too. No, they're not very good. They're it's it's only a small hole to poke, but oh, and I did get stuck on a couple of boxes. And when I was doing like some stealth style missions, he would let out this loud ooh, like when he was jumping over things, which isn't very stealthy. When you're like a meter away from the guy and you're like jumping over a crate, and he goes ooh. You know, that's um and you know they don't turn around and realize which is pretty silly but um yeah and i got stuck on a couple of crates when i was trying to walk around or like in a corridor and then it would just smash and because i have like my headphones on when i'm playing now these days it felt like this great big crash and it startled me i thought i was like activating a mission or like some secret bad guy or something which um you know that was a bit annoying but i've got that dolby atmos which um kind of puts the, oh, how do you say it without sounding like a fool? Um, it's like your headphones have speakers and it separates the sound to make it sound like it's coming from behind you or the side of you in front of you or, or whatever. It's actually really cool. Um, I've, uh, I only just got into, um, wireless headphones, maybe last, End of, end of last year. Yeah. And I couldn't comprehend it. I had no idea that you could play with headphones and still have like voice chat. You could still do like your, your party chat on Xbox or whatever. I had no idea. I'd never looked into it. I'd always played with like surround sound, um, you know, just a normal like chat headset. And then, yeah, I remember asking the guy, and this is how I guess naive I was about it. I said, um, so to get the audio <laughs> from the game, where do you plug in the headphones? Do you plug it into the TV? And then you plug another one into the headphone jack on your controller to hear the chat. And he's like, no, you just plug it in the controller. It all goes through the controller. It like Bluetooth and compresses through the controller. I said, nah, no, that, that doesn't happen. So yes, yes, it does. It's been happening for the last six years. That's how it's always happened. I was shocked. Couldn't believe it. 
And, you know, that's not like a big thing, but, you know, it's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, the I digress. The, the story is really good. It's just the accents that, like, really, really annoy me. And if that's the thing that I'm picking on in a game that was brought out close to, oh, it'd be over a decade for sure. I mean, maybe 2003 it came out. I don't know. But a long time ago. Um, and if I'm just picking on like the accents, which, um, you know, that's not a big deal at all. For me, it is because you listen to it and you listen to it, you listen to it and just like, they come across as like Canadian. It's really weird. You you don't know what you got to do, eh? You know, it's like, we, we got the, we got the whiskey from the Canadians, eh? Yeah. It's really, yeah. What, what am I talking about? What did I say? You know, you know, it's really, yeah, it's a bit abrasive. And then there's the, there's the character Paulie and his voice. It's not Adam Devine, but it sounds like Adam Devine. If you don't know who Adam Devine is, just Google that. He's, he's pretty talented, but, um, his voice is just really grinding. And if you play games, like I play games, you generally try and beat the game. In like the first couple of days, it took me, um, I got it yesterday. So it took me eight hours, I reckon, with no messing around. There was a couple of messing around, driving around and doing whatever, but I reckon about eight hours total, maybe 45 minutes to a half an hour, depending on the mission, maybe about 20 minutes a mission, I would say. Um, I was playing it on the hardest difficulty. And then realized how hard it was. I do this weird thing where if I feel like a game is just story driven, then the difficulties usually aren't that hard. I did the same with like um, um, like Tomb Raiders and um, the other Mafia games. I just play them on like the hard difficulty because I just feel like they're just not hard. But this was hard. This was like almost throw the controller hard. It was very, I was getting very concerned because it got, there's, there's a bit of a spoiler, but there's one part where you have to do this race. And this is the part I remember being on computer. And I remember back in the day, not passing it when I was younger. So, I, you know, you, you think, oh, it'd be a easy now. It's like when you play Crash Bandicoot now, you can easily beat the levels that, well, for me and, you know, for a lot of gaming people, like the games that you struggled with back in the day, you don't struggle with now because your brain, you know, is running it a bit higher and you can problem solve a little bit better. Um, yeah, it, uh, it was really hard. I got really cranky. I must've done this race for about an hour, I think. And it's only a five minute race and I just couldn't, I just couldn't beat it. Just could not beat it for life of me. It was really, 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 really frustrating. So I ended up <laughs> I ended up putting it on medium. No, I was playing in classic mode, which is like the hardest. It's like very hard. I put it on hard, still couldn't beat it. And then I put it on medium, couldn't beat it. And then I put it on easy halfway through the race 
got in first and then put it back on classic to win the race thinking I could like trick the game and thinking I beat it on classic, but I don't think it works. <laughs> you know, sometimes you can't trick them, but it, yeah, I'll, it's a great, it's a great campaign. It's a great story. Um, without like spoiling it, there's like really good. It like mixes in the characters from the other, um, the other mafia games, which is really good. I like games that reference each other. That's why I like comic books and like events that happen in comic books. That's what I really like is like when they, when they just nod to each other and say, yeah, we acknowledge your writing. We acknowledge your writing. You know, I talk about it all the time, but that's like my favorite thing. My favorite thing is like, um, in the X-Men movies, how they all, they, they all talk about people like they're not there and then they, 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 they turn up or like it's an event or something like that. Like in, um, X-Men first class where they go try and recruit all these mutants and they go see Wolverine and he's like, no, <laughs> no, Bob. And then, you know, that's all they, that's all you see of Wolverine. That's why he's like not in the film because he's, you know, doesn't want to just rather get drunk. But I think at that point he is, um, in the middle of his kind of, x-men origin story where he's like battling um william, william striker with the weapon x thing so i think um you know if you watched it then you know it makes sense um yeah i just love uh, i love a good nod i love a good cameo and you know rest in power stan lee for like bringing every cameo in marvel to life actually that's the one thing i didn't like about the avengers game is that there was no stanley cameo unless i missed it i know he died last year but it still would have been nice to see at the end credits you know like thank you to stanley or you know just some kind of thank you i think like um or, you know, most Marvel things that came out in um, 2019, they, they were all like a big thank you to Stan Lee. Oh, I'm tearing up a little bit, actually. It's quite sad because, you know, Stan Lee just like created, helped create and shape my um, imagination. And, you know, I've, yeah, I won't go too much on it because, you know, Makes me sad, actually, to think that because you've always got heroes and idols in your life, and like for me, it was like Jim Morrison, Johnny Cash, and and Stan Lee, and I felt like and The Rock as well. I feel like yeah, The Rock. He's pretty inspirational. He's awesome. Shout out The Rock, Dwayne, The Rock Johnson. There's a TV show coming out about him soon, which um, might be interesting. Um, yeah, I, you know, you just look up to these people and then they're idols and you think so much of them. And, you know, Johnny Cash and Jimmy, Jim Morrison had like their trouble with drugs and, you know, troubled youth and all that. And Stan Lee from like, you know, when he started Marvel to like when he finished, there was like, I don't know. It didn't feel like there he had any issues, you know. He was just always the same dude from like, 
in his 20s to in his 90s. I think he was 91 when he passed, I think. But it always felt like if I could meet one of my idols, I, I feel like Stan Lee would have been the one I could have met, you know, which, you know, the, the time's passed now. But, yeah, a lot of people, I imagine, would speak highly of um, Stan Lee. But I feel like, yeah, he would have been the one, if I could meet any of them, Stanley would have been the one I could have had the biggest chance of actually meeting. Maybe The Rock. I could still meet The Rock, I guess. You know, you never know. You never know. But yeah, Stanley, great guy, rest in power, created, you know, what we love about comics today, I guess. Um, yeah. I lost my train of thought now. Um, yeah, another great remake that they should do or think about doing is the Saints Rose ones. Because I don't know if like Saints Row was like two left of field, but that would almost be perfect for them to bring it out now. And for us, because, you know, the world just needs a good chuckle from time to time. And Saints Row, whether you hate the game or love the game, it definitely delivers that chuckle. You know, I recently played the uh, number three, uh, the definitive edition. So the remaster for um, console for um, the next gen. And, you know, it was just fun. It was just a good game to laugh at and be silly playing. You know, it didn't take itself too serious and it was just cool. I didn't play number four because I didn't really like number four. So it just felt like it was aesthetically number three. But it was like number 3.5. It didn't feel like a number four, which was really uh, annoying. Um, yeah. They, they should definitely remake number one and two. Like ground up. I don't know. I don't. I think, um, you know, probably Microsoft owns <laughs> Volition now. I think Volition is the production company. Probably not. Beanox seems to be recreating a lot of games and... They've got their hands in a lot of pot. I don't know who Beanox is. I'll, I'll look into that later. Um, but they did the Modern Warfare um, remake, and that was really good. That felt like a ground from the ground up build, um, rebuild. That was um, that was really good, actually. Yeah. Modern Warfare 2. They did 2. Um, yeah, they did that crazy time. I got really close to that time in like the training thing but I, I didn't i didn't crack it i should probably go back and do that actually be something to do um yeah great great game not only a good game it was like a necessary game because everybody forgot how shocking call of duty games used to be yeah it's like um a lot of games in like 2010 or around that time that were just really shocking. It's like the shock value in games was just getting realized. It was like when movies discovered that they could not only scare people, they could like do the shock. They could shock people like with shock horror or like shockingly real footage and stuff like that. I remember there was a movie that came out and one of my friends loves it. It's called Seed. And it was about this serial killer. 
and um, he just goes on this crazy. He like gets the stories like he gets electrocuted and then he gets electrocuted again and he like survives the second one or something like that. And I think the real story is that he just dies because, you know, <laughs> he just dies because he gets electrocuted. And then in the story, he goes on the, this weird rampage and they use like all these graphic images um, kind of describing him. Um, who directed that? U- Uwe Boll. If you don't know who Uwe Boll is, E, I think it's U-W-E or E-W-E-U-E, Boll, B-O-L. He has gotten the most Razzies. If you don't know what the Razzies are, they're like the worst. It's like the Oscars, but for the worst films and the worst directors. I'm pretty sure he's won his fair share of Razzies because some of his movies are absolutely horrible. For the amount of films he does, I reckon there's about ten percent of the films of he that he does that are actually good. All the rest are pretty, whew, pretty bad. I mean, he did the he did um, a game. No, he did the Far Cry movie. And if you know you like Far Cry, like oh, I like Far Cry, then you like them all up until they did Far Cry Four, which just made it really frustrating. Um. Anyway. That he did the movie of Far Cry. Actually, Anthony Bourdain, shout out, rest in power, Anthony Bourdain. He's actually in um, Far Cry, the first Far Cry, as a, um, what is he? Something really, he's like a scientist. He has like one line or something like that. And then, you know, he gets shot. But it was probably the worst video game movie. Close, it's tied. No, it's not because the Super Mario movie it actually that actually had like a decent plot. Do you know what's the the worst thing is like the guy that plays Jack Carver, he was like the main character from Far Cry. Um he um who's the actor? Till Schreiger. And he plays the guy, the crazy guy and the crazy German guy in um in Glorious Bastards. He um and he's such a cool actor. Like he deserves more roles. It's like that Travis Fimmel from Vikings. They just look like really cool actors. Like uh, and also uh, Bjorn Lee Hun. You know, like they just have like this cool face and a cool demeanor. You know, there's just some actors that just look. They look like the roles they play. You know, there's like. Like, like Bruce Willis looks like, you know, an action dude. You know, he looks really cool and he looks like, he looks like um, a disgruntled police officer, you know. That's just like what he looks like. And this Byun Lee Hyun guy, he was, he's in like a couple of um, Korean movies that are really good. He's, like, he's Korean, I'm pretty sure. And um, he's in this one called um, Bittersweet. I'm pretty sure really good movie. And he just looks like, cause it's about like the, I guess the Korean mafia or something or Korean gangsters. And he looks like a Korean gangster. He looks like a dude you would not mess with, you know? And then he plays this like super, super cop in this one called I saw the devil or I said, no. Yeah. I saw the devil and it's, Oh, Oh man, I'm pretty sure it's the same director actually as well. But he is 
Oh, he is so cool in that movie. That's a cool. That's a cool action movie. Actually, I saw the devil. It's freaky and a little bit scary. It's a cool revenge plot. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it, but the plot is right. This um, this killer um, kills this girl, and then it turns out that the girl is this cop's sister or wife, maybe. Or some of that. And he just like loses the plot and <laughs> and takes revenge on this dude. And the extremes that he goes to, he basically toys with this guy's life. You know, he puts like, uh, um, he like beats him up in random, like when the guy's just like um, eating lunch and stuff and he just kicks it. Yeah, just beats him up so bad and then leaves. And then he heals and he comes back, beats him up again. And, you know, he puts like a tracker on him. So he always knows where he is. And it's, uh, it's great. It's a really good, um, twist on the, um, on actually going from, you know, the bad guy chases the good guy. It's like the good guy chasing the bad guy and making the bad guy feel like he's helpless because that's how he made his wife felt, you know, in that situation. Um, uh, great movie. I saw the devil top, top 10 foreign films mm. i've got a bit of a soft spot for foreign films not a soft spot they're just good you know they're as good as um any any western movie really i would put any korean chinese or japanese action movie up against any western movie you know, well, look at Departed. Like that was based on a Chinese movie called Infernal Affairs, and Infernal Affairs is so good they made three. You know, like there's a trilogy. There's a trilogy of them. You couldn't make a trilogy of Departed. You know, like they and all of them are just as good. The first one's really good. The first one is good, and the Departed's really good. Well, I'm torn because I like I really like Martin Scorsese or Scorsese, whatever you wanna, however you wanna say it. Um. He's, yeah, he's cool. He's definitely up there for best director. I would say that, all right, all right, all right. I give in. I've convinced myself. This is what I do sometimes. Talk about a topic long enough, you end up convincing yourself that you're wrong. (laughs) Um, It definitely, um, The Departed is better than Infernal Affairs, even though Infernal Affairs is the original and it is almost um the, the departed is almost an exact copy of it yeah the departed's still good i think the best part in departed is alec, alec baldwin just like losing his losing his cool in the um in like their surveillance room or whatever getting up all the cops yeah, that's cool. Even um, oh, there's just so many good actors in it. Like, even Mark Wahlberg does a really good job. That's the thing about Mark Wahlberg is that he can he's consistently, whether it's a not a very good movie or you know a top of the line budget, he's the same in every movie. He's very consistent, and he's like I I don't know I just see him as like a professional actor 
even though he does like comedies and like action comedies and uh, you know he does movies where he doesn't take himself serious he's still like i don't know i've got this image of him just nailing every line and no one ever messes up he never messes up you know so i've got this really warped perception of mark Wahlberg. i don't even like mark Wahlberg that much but yeah, I don't know. I just see him as like this super professional dude. It's like there's some actors like, um, you know, like like I guess Seth Rogen, maybe. You know, we we'll love his films. Don't get me wrong, but you can see him as being more playful on like a a film set. This comes from all of my experience not being in films and not being in TV shows, even involved just being a dude that loves film and TV (laughs) and music and games. This is only my opinion of it. This is not like I'm not dissecting his acting ability or writing skill because I really don't have the credentials to do it. All I've got is my version of things. That's why it's called my mind. It's called, it's called My Mind with Stephen Taylor. It's not called Stephen Taylor breaks down and does like really in-depth analysis from his years of experience in like movies and TV. It's not called that. It's just what I want to talk about. So, you know, I've almost offended myself saying that. Just, whoa, back up. Chill out, man. It's all good. We're just here to have fun talk about stuff anyway um yeah i just feel like he's a more playful actor and you know if he messes up it's oh yeah it's all good but if mark Wahlberg messes up people are like no i'm so down on myself i'm so committed to my job and i'm a committed man i have like really nice hair and cool biceps and sometimes i wear a goatee but only when it suits me you know i think Worst Mark Wahlberg film is the Transformers ones, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely the Transformers ones. Not my son loves them, the Transformers, but that's the demographic. It's not like they did those movies to please a bunch of adults. They did it to please, like, the demographic of, I guess, like, teenagers and, like, young young younger men and i guess women i don't know michael bay's got this really weird um he just does this really weird thing where he um he just has like sponsored you can see who like sponsors the movie like um i'll give an example in the in the transformers extinction Age of Extinction. I think that was the first one Mark Wahlberg was in. There's like this scene where they crash into like a Bud Light truck and there's all this Bud Light around and there's a big sign of Bud Light. And then there's Mark Wahlberg cracking open a Bud Light and drinking Bud Light saying like he really needed it. You know, like there's some really corny moments. And he does this weird like sexism of like women. Like he always has hot women doing really sexual innuendo-y things. Yeah. It's almost like it's really cringy for me to watch now. 
Yeah. And yeah, I just don't, I don't like it. I don't like how film is like an exploitation of someone or someone, someone, someone or something. I like, I like film and TV as an expression of someone's or some things rather than it being exploitation. Yeah, I really don't like, I really don't like black exploitation films that used to come out in the seventies and eighties. Like I've, I've, I've watched Superfly and that's a cool movie, but I don't like the, 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 the whole message that you're just like cashing on how like cool, um, black people are, I guess. I don't really like it. It doesn't like, doesn't resonate well with me. Yeah. As a, as an audience, I just don't like exploitation in film and TVs. I, don't, I like it even less when people go out of their way to expose exploitation and make you think about they they make you question everything you thought you knew about your favorite TV shows. Like I think what come up in the um, news is like the Ellen Show, how it's like, yeah, people are trying to expose it and say everyone's not happy to go to work at Ellen because she's like a bit cranky or whatever. But yeah, I feel like though that that's kind of stuff can just be settled among, amongst themselves. I mean, I'm happy for, I, I don't know, coming from like hospitality, you're always to a certain degree treated like poo. <laughs> you were treated like, like waste most of the time, um, especially when you're training and you're, you're coming up. You know, it's a lot different now to the to what it was ten years ago, and it's so small. Like ten years ago, yeah, there was a lot worse chefs out there. They're like good chefs, but you know, they were pretty cranky and they didn't like apprentices. You know, I, I could, yeah, I won't name and shame anybody, but. Yeah, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm happy it has been exposed, but I don't like it that it became like clickbait as well. Yeah, it's like the irony of it all, you know, to get a message across, to like market a show through social media and then to get, social media to like flip the coin and say how bad something is. It's, yeah. I don't know. I'm a bit funny about social media. I only started, um, I think social media has been around for a long time, long time. And I'm not going to slam it because I've recently shared this podcast on my, um, social media to get my family and friends and, um, colleagues to listen to it, to, you know, I don't know. Is it like self-indulgent? Is it like ego stroking to get people to want to listen to whatever you want to talk about? Or am I just at like that age where it's um, where I just, I just want to like voice stuff. Yeah. It's strange. It's strange. It's actually stranger because how you would think someone would structure a podcast or, or something talking is that they would write like this script, right? 
and they would write a script and read from it and then they would call two points of the script and then they would look down at their notes and then they would talk about it. For me, not so much. I've written maybe 12 things and I've spoken about two of them because of Tangent and myself talking about um, different things. I mean, uh, you know, I was going to talk about a couple other things, but, you know, this is obviously... Like I said before, you know, it's 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 my mind. It's what I want, what I want to speak about. This is um, kind of how my brain works. Is that well? That's how it works. It's just tangent after tangent after tangent after analogy, and then an analogy, and then you know more talking points. So yeah, which you know I want to thank everybody again. If you've gotten this far in this episode and you're still listening, thank you. Because I appreciate it. I do, honestly. Um, yeah. What was I talking about? Yeah, this whole the whole social media thing. I only started social media maybe three years ago, which is not that long ago as far as like social media has been around. Like it's been around for, oh, I don't know, actually, maybe more than 10 years, definitely. Yeah. But I always was of that mentality of um, if I wanted to speak to my friends, I would call them or I would speak to them on Xbox or or whatever. I would um, I would just call them up and see how they're doing and stuff. And now, yeah, I'm, I use it for most things. If I want like, if I want to buy something, I'll, you know, just jump on the old social media and give it a quick search and usually you find it secondhand or brand new. Um, anyway, I'm not going to, what I wanted to say, what this is alluding to is that um, in this household, we recently watched the social dilemma and it was nice for them to expose it, but the irony is almost lost in how you need to share that story. You know, like you need to share what's wrong with, social media on social media you know what i'm saying like it's yeah you see you i don't know if you see it all the time but there's definitely videos you see on um on the socials that are like you know there's just a dude looking at his phone and you know it's chaos around him and you know, people don't even notice him there's a kid crying on the street nobody cares because like you know, we're all looking at our phone and then the person unfortunately dies and he's in a grave and then no one turns up because they're all on their phone and stuff like that. You know, like it's it's a weird irony. I don't see, I, I agree with them that they didn't design social media to be so distracting from life. But if you think about it all like people where we've all got addictive personalities to some extent. You know, the people that say that they don't, you know, you, I don't know, you need to look at yourself because I don't have a very, I feel like I don't. No, I do, I do because I've been, you know, I was addicted to smoking cigarettes for quite a time and then I ended up quitting. Um, you know, the thing about addiction is just breaking that routine, breaking that habit. That's, that's for me, that's how I beat it. 
you know, it's just broke the routine and the monotonous, the, I can't even say the word, the, um, just, just breaking the routine. Oh, I'm not going to go on. Uh, I'm not going to try and say a word that I can't say at the moment. Um, just breaking the routine really helped me, um, accomplish the goal, which was to quit smoking, you know, which, you know, I'm now really, really healthy and happy. Um, yeah, the biggest thing was just trying to, trying to break it, break, break the routine, which a lot of people struggle with. And so I guess because I smoked cigarettes for so long, I guess I do have or did. No, I do. I def- definitely had an addiction. And I'm like, yeah, I go through like phases though. Like most people, I guess. You just like do something for so long and then you take like two days off and you never do it again. I was really bad for it for like working out. As soon as I stopped doing it, I just didn't do it for a couple of days. But now... My routine is have a coffee, watch the news and then go work out for 45 minutes and then do what I need to do the day. I don't like to, now my day doesn't start until I've done that, that routine workout, which is, which has been nice. Uh, you know, it's helping me get gains, helping me get gains, get shredded, you know, but, um, yeah, we're all addicted to one thing or another, you know, you just, everybody gets addicted to things. It's just how it affects. I think addictions like selfish because you do it for your own selfish means. You're not addicted to someone. You're not addicted to something to help somebody. You know, you, you're addicted to it to, to help yourself, you know, and anyone who is addicted just needs to just take a step back and see why they're doing it and see who it benefits. And if you're selfish enough, you'll just keep doing the addiction, I guess. But if you think about your family, your friends, how it affects your social interactions, if that like means anything to you, how it affects like, you know, the, the, the thing I'm most uh, happy with is that my car doesn't smell like an ashtray anymore, you know? Like I never, I never used to smoke in the, in the car with my son, but if he wasn't there, I'd put all the windows down and have a, have a cheeky, um, cigarette because that's like what the addiction was, you know, the addiction like got me lazy and you do it one time, then you think, oh, I can get away with it another time. So, you know, I just kept doing it obviously without him in the car because, you know, I don't like to endanger my son. I'm not going to force my addiction onto anybody else, you know? Cause that's how I started. <laughs> that's how I started smoking in the first place. I dare say, um, most people got addicted to cigarettes through like creative advertising and peer pressure. I know that's what did it for me. It was not only peer pressure, but it was just how cool it looked in like TV shows and movies. And it was such like, it was like the working man's, you know, gift you know if you felt like you earned it after a hard day's work and that's how it was in kitchens as well you know you the only five minutes you got to break was to go out for a cigarette so why wouldn't you smoke if you want to have a break for five minutes now like i just most days i just work straight through i used to just you know have a cigarette or whatever and then go back to work but now 
it's non-stop. I just, <laughs> I just keep working, you know, I don't necessarily enjoy it or hate it, but I don't not enjoy it. I still love working. Um, but yeah, yeah. Addiction's a hard one. It's harder if you can only quit it, you know, if you want to, if you don't want to, then you're not going to do it. You're just going to keep doing it behind people's backs or whatever, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. But but being addicted to some things can be like good as well. You know, I'm addicted to, you know, a, a really dodgy movie most nights, you know, I'll happily watch any kind of TV most of the time you know, addicted to like that screen. That's probably my biggest addiction is that just like staring at screens I could watch. I would not enjoy it, but I could watch four hours of Peppa Pig for sure. Easy. I could watch the most mundane thing on TV. I remember when I was home, uh, sick from school when I was younger, I used to watch Landline. Who, what like 10-year-old would like watch Landline? Because I couldn't go to the house because I was sick. I didn't want to exercise or like go out of the sun or do whatever. So I would just like lay on the couch and watch Landline. And I'm not knocking Landline, but it's not exactly like enthralling for a 10-year-old to sit around watching Landline and Catalyst and you know, stuff like that. Although I did see some like really cool, like world movies. Yeah. Which was yeah, pretty cool. I like that. But I like streaming services now. I think the great thing now is if I was sick, I can just watch what I want. I think that comes from being an adult as well. If I was like an adult when I was 10. So like, you know, in the, um, the 2000s, I guess, um, you know, you could only watch Landline <laughs> or like catch like, or like watch Moonlighting with like Sybil Shepard and Bruce Willis or, you know, Murder, She Wrote or something like that. Like you, there's not, not really much choice. But if I was sick now and 10, I can just watch what I want. I can watch like, you know, Stan, Netflix, Amazon Prime, whatever, eh? You know, like that's a, the convenience of it. It's amazing that more people don't call in sick because of like the options. You can like get food delivered now. The only food you could get delivered back in my day was pizza. And that was it. <laughs> now you've got DoorDash, Deliveroo, Menu Log, Uber Eats, you know, everything. Everything's to your door now, which is great. You know, that's the um, advancement of society. And I dare say in some part of the world, they were already doing this. You know, sometimes it feels like in Australia, we're behind the buck. I feel like a lot of other Western countries have already been doing it. Even like some parts in like South America, I guarantee they would have been delivering South American food to the elderly. Yeah. Excuse me. <sighs> Big night, finished mafia last night, so... And then I tried to finish another couple of games. Yeah. But I feel like food delivery is 
not like a new service. It's probably a new thing that we're like paying for it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the newest thing about it is that we're paying for like a middleman to deliver us food instead of getting in the car and driving. But that might be better for the environment, maybe. Hmm, maybe. Um, well, yeah, I might wrap that up because otherwise I'll just keep banging on on a tangent. Um, once again, thank you everyone for listening. These shows get like, or these episodes or whatever, they get easier and easier to do the more you do it. And I feel like we're having good conversations now. I feel like before, no, I feel like it was pretty good before, like, you know, I was in the car and it was like really raw and rusty, but now I feel like it's a little bit more professional. I mean, I've got intro music. If that doesn't scream a little bit professional, then I don't know what does. But if you've got, if you just want to tell me what you think, go to, send me an email, actually. My mind, M-Y-M-I-N-D podcast at gmail.com, dot com, dot com, dot, dot com, dot com. My mind podcast at gmail.com. Go and tell me that you don't like it. Or tell me you do like it. Or tell me that I inspired you to work out for 45 minutes. Or I inspired you to smoke cigarettes. Or I inspired you to go watch a Uwe Bowl film. Because that's you gotta watch. If you if you've not seen an Uwe Bowl film, go and experience it. Definitely start with one of the worst ones he's done. He actually did a movie about uh, Auschwitz, which is spectacularly terrible. Yeah. It's really, really bad. There's another one with like Dominic Purcell, an Aussie bloke. He was like one of the brothers in Prison Break. And uh, it's called Assault on Wall Street. And that is spectacularly bad. Yeah. But he's got some gems. Like... There's this movie called Rampage, which is actually like a cool, um, yeah, it's a cool story. It's about like, you know, kind of like Columbine stuff, a borderline's that kind of storyline. If you don't know what Columbine is, then give that a Google. But it just, yeah, it's a nice little commentary on how um, distant uh, teenagers can feel or disconnected young teens can feel from society and that. Um, but the acting's just always so bad. Oh, oh, like, you know, when acting is that bad, it's sometimes bearable, but for the most part, it's not. It's really not enjoyable. Mm. It's nice to laugh at bad acting, but when the bad acting is like the only thing that drives the movie for you to watch it, then you really need to stop watching or keep watching, you know? Anyway, I'll wrap it up. Goodbye.